everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you, as always, from deep within the outer rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and, um, well, today I am not alone, but my normal co-hosts are not here with me. Uh, Joe is under the weather, and... Before we get started, um, most of you already know that are following me on social media, uh, for follow War of the Stars on social media, know that our longtime co-host, Ray, has decided to step down for personal reasons. Um, it's just something that happens. We've said, you know, let's, this is a hobby. What we do here, we do it for uh, we do it for a hobby, and we do it for fun, and we do it because we love Star Wars. But we've always said from the very beginning of War of the Stars, before Ray and Joe were even part of the show, family always comes first. And this is what's happened: is some opp- job opportunities come up, and some family stuff has come up with him, and he just didn't have the time to put into this hobby, unfortunately, right now, and. We here at War of the Stars wish him the best best of luck in whatever he does. I know he's going to be great. He wants to get into voice acting. I know he's going to be awesome at it. And just to let him let you know, Ray, if you're listening to this, you are always welcome on War of the Stars. But in the meantime, we're going to be doing something very exciting here. We have been doing open auditions, open tryouts for, I don't want to say Ray's replacement, but to be the third co-host um, here at War of the Stars. And I've been really amazed at the at the people that have um, come out and said they'd be interested in trying out and being, try, you know, wanting to get the gig. And first up, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through the next few weeks and auditioning potential co-hosts. Um, each week we'll have a different co-host. And at the end of this time, we're probably going to do three so far. Uh, um, I think this is probably much what we'll what we'll just stick with is these top three here. Um, sometime in mid June, before I go on vacation, we will be the next co-host for War of the Stars. And first up is Mr. Rudy Ortega. Rudy, how are you today, sir? Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for, again, thanks for having me on for tonight's show. I appreciate it. Not a problem, man. Not a problem, man. Well, before we get started into the main topic, so to say, why don't you tell the people out there a little bit about you and who you are um, and kind of your background in Star Wars and maybe podcasting in general? So, uh, me, myself, I'm just, uh, just a regular guy. I'm, you know, 30 something years old. I live in Texas, have a full-time job. Like you said before, this is a hobby of mine. Um, I've been a Star Wars fan my entire life. Um, ever since I've saw, uh, ever since I, ever since I saw a new, a new hope whenever I was a kid and I've just been hooked since then. Um, and it's become a little bit of an obsession with me. I don't know if you guys can see behind me, but I'm starting my, to rebuild my collection yeah. of, of, of stuff and I'm not sitting in my son's rooms, which is kind of weird. I have to tell people on my zoom calls for, for meetings. Like, no, this is, this is my office space anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 
podcasted on a separate podcast. Um, I'm not going to say their their names tonight, uh, just because I don't have their permission to. Um, I've been I, I did it with them for a little while. Um, I did a bunch of commentaries for The Mandalorian season one and two, as well as the sequel trilogies, and just talked about Star Wars in general with with these guys. It was a great group of people. Unfortunately, we had some creative differences, and I I, I kindly stepped away before any 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 bad words were said between us. Um, okay, awesome, awesome. Um, well, as I explained kind of off camera, we are going through all of the Star Wars movies in chronological order, or at least canological order, I should say, uh, from episode one all the way through Rise of Skywalker. And today we are going to hit Last of the Prequel Trilogies, episode three. Revenge of the Sith, aka the Good One. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you're 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 not wrong. Um, this is this no, is the highest no, rated no. Of, of of the three. I think Rotten Tomatoes gave this like a average of seven point six out of ten, at an eight eight eighty percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So uh, to get you up to speed, episode one, we got a total of. 102 out of a perfect score of 100 between me and Ray. Uh, episode 2 got an 88. So it is so far the lowest rated of the Star Wars movies, which, I mean, does that really surprise you that Episode 2 got that low compared to Episode 1? Yeah, um, because, I mean, to me, they're, they're kind of kind of even with each other. Um, yeah, they're just they're they're packed full of so much information, and they kind of drag on, kind of in the middle, and they pick up towards yeah. the end. Um, well, but I, but we I, one of the things we talked about with episode two is that the plot was so convoluted, and they didn't focus instead of focusing on the Clone Wars and focusing on the rise of the clones and the making of the clones. That was almost seemed to be a secondary plot. And the main plot was Anakin falling in love with Padme. And the clones just kind of got pushed to, oh yeah, by the way, there's clones there. Um, You know, it wasn't until the very last battle scene that you kind of, you know, everything comes in and, um, but now we are at the culmination of everything in the prequels, episode three. Uh, so as normal, we're doing this 30 points for acting, 30 points for directing, 20 points for writing, which is the dialogue, the actual words that are spoken by the actor, and 20 points for storytelling. Okay. So let's start off with the acting. Um, how do you think it compares to the other two movies. So the acting for this movie, I thought was a lot better compared to episode one mm-hmm. and two. Uh, majority yeah. of the actors are, are older now. Hayden Christensen's a lot older. Natalie Portman's a lot older. Ewan McGregor was, was good when he started with star Wars. Now he's getting to the point where he's really good. Um, yeah. And then you also had Samuel L. Jackson who has increased his fame by the time this movie came out, mm-hmm. um, as well as a slew of other characters, uh, Ian McDermott. Oh, yeah. Well, Ian McDermott's Ian McDermott. So, um, but by far the acting in this one compared to episode one and two is 
leaps and bounds better than than what mm-hmm. they were. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, the characters felt the actors felt a lot more comfortable with the characters. Um, there wasn't as much stiffness and rigidness as you had. Um, the relationship between Padme and Anakin seemed a little bit more natural and not quite as forced. There were still some instances where you're just like, oh, that's kind of cringy, but that's George Lucas. You know, George Lucas writes that, which we'll get to the dialogue later, but George just writes that kind of dialogue. <laughs> and, but George, George isn't, and again, we'll get to that dialogue later because he's, he's not a writer. Uh, he's he's not known yeah. for writing dialogue. That's that's not what he does, yeah. and yeah. and that's probably one of the biggest criticisms for his movies is the dialogue. But we'll we'll, we'll dialogue, get to that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. We'll that get part. to that later. Um, but yeah, definitely, they definitely had a lot of. Um, and you could tell that the that especially you know, the actors really studied their characters, especially Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell the cues that he took and the way he did stuff that he had, he had studied Alec Guinness and really, while not being a car, you know, wanting to do a imitation of, of Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan, you could definitely tell that he'd studied his speech patterns, studied how he, he moved, how he talked and then said, okay, let's do a younger version of that. Well, Um, he took, if I if and if I remember correctly, reading this, he took um, voice lessons to kind mm-hmm. of mimic the tone and rhythm of of uh, Alec Guinness's uh, voice in the original movie, and he wanted to to yeah. nail that part down, and it it embedded him so much. If you watch any other movie outside of Star Wars that stars him, he kind of has that same kind of yeah. Uh, you know, melody and, and flow and tone of voice. Well, I, I heard that he didn't only just watch like uh, Alec Guinness from Star Wars. He went through and watched every Alec Guinness movie yep. there was and studied this man. Just find like, okay, how does he talk, you know, and out. And it's got to the point now that, I mean, for years, for me, I'm 40, 43 years. So I grew up with the original trilogy. That was my Star Wars. But I can't hear or think if i hear the name obi-wan kenobi the first face that comes to my mind is not alec guinness now yeah it's you mcgregor it's you mcgregor yeah and uh yeah. and i remember seeing him in the in episode one i was in high school uh junior high when that that movie came out in 99 and i remember going to the movie theater and watching it and i thought wow like that he, from then on he was my obi-wan yeah, oh, I think so too. Um, we we talked a little bit about that. What do you think about the change for Anakin? Um, so, from my understanding, when George Lucas was was writing the script, it was completely different than what we got on screen, and he wanted the story to focus more on Anakin's turn. I think Hayden Christensen kind of did that emotionally you you felt that throughout the the film you felt his struggle mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally but when it came to his dialogue he was still kind of kind of robotic and kind of kind of stale yeah uh, yeah but but he did deliver us like the emotion that we wanted from someone who's going through that kind of a struggle so i'm, yeah. I'm kind of i'm yeah. kind yeah. of up, up in the air about him and 
I mean, as far as you know, a lot of people complain about, you know, it being too, you know, the, the term being too quake. And that's one thing I liked about the Clone Wars series is it bridged that gap. Yeah. So you got to see a little bit more of that. But um, yeah, I do agree that Hayden's best acting, and this even goes back to episode two, was when he wasn't talking. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite scenes in episode two is the scene where his mom dies and Hayden kills, slaughters the the, uh, the Tuscan Raiders in the, in the camp. And just all the emotion that was in his face, no word spoken, but you could tell, you could see the anger, the torment, the fear, the hatred, all in that one few seconds. And there was no dialogue spoken, but it was just, to me, it was just an amazing scene. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, decent, decent grade for, I'd say, for Hayden for this. Um, what about Natalie? What do you Natalie, think of I was, I was impressed on how much she had progressed with age mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of from episode one all the way to now. But I was disappointed on what she did with the character. Padme, yeah. from, from episode one all the way through episode two, was always a very strong female character, uh, very outgoing, very strong-minded, strong-willed, fought for what she believed in. And I feel like in this, in a, it, it may not be her fault because she's just going along with how, how she's being directed, but that character Padme just fell off in this movie, and it all became help me, save me, uh, you know. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it didn't do anything for the character. And it's something that Natalie did. Uh, herself, I just didn't like the way her character was written for this movie. Yeah, yeah, it was. She became almost an enabler for Anakin. Yeah, you know, instead of pointing stuff out that was wrong and saying, "Hold, hold on, wait a minute," she just said, "Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay." You know, up almost to the very end, she was still making excuses for Anakin, and you know, yeah. Um, I mean, we can talk about Ian McDermott, but Ian McDermott is Ian McDermott. I mean, yeah, he's this by by far the my favorite scene in Star. One of my favorite scenes in Star Wars is when they're at the opera and he wants to talk about the the tragedy oh. of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Darth Plagueis, yes, uh, Darth Plagueis. When when he says that line, like chills still go down my spine. Like I'm like, yeah. oh my god, tell me the story. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I think this is a good time to give our score. So it's okay. out of 30. What would you give the acting in episode three? I would give it a 26. A 26. Okay. Yeah. Um, just and just be just based off of, uh, like you said before, like Hayden Christensen's. His, his delivery on his lines they were they were very robotic they weren't convincing but his you know his scenes where he wasn't talking were were kind of the best ones with the emotion mm-hmm. but I, i'll give it a 26 all right um moving on i'm going to give it a i'm going to give it a 25 but same reason same thing you know i think it was a lot better than the acting and the other um now let's talk about the directing. Now this is one where I wish that Joe was here. Um, 
you may know, uh, since you're new to the show, Joe is actually a filmmaker. He's done some independent movies. Um, he lives out in California right now. Um, but yeah, he's done some independent horror movies. Um, he's in the middle of making a his first feature film, actually. But unfortunately, that got all shut down because of COVID, like everything else. Um, but... I mean, this is a this is your typical George Lucas film. Yeah. When it comes to directing, it's very story driven, um, very. He's, and we've had actors who have worked with George before on our show, and they said basically all said the same thing, and everything I was heard the same thing. George is not an actor's director. No. Yeah. He's not. He's he's not an actor's director. He is a story. I said this last week. George would make a good uh, dungeon master for a D and D game. Yeah, he's. I mean, from from a young age, George was more of a visual story kind of a guy. Yes, and you and you can go yeah. back to 1971 to his uh, his debut and with uh, THX 1183. Very yeah. limited, di- very limited dialogue, but visually, it's a beautiful story. It it tells mm-hmm. a story by itself, and and that's I think that's that's where we, that's what we're getting with episode three. Um, and you got to remember, like this this one, this is the episode everybody wanted. It, when when he first thought of the prequel stories, all the Star Wars fans wanted Anakin's story, like they wanted that from the very start. And so he had mm-hmm. he really had his fun with this. Um, and again, yeah. he, want, he wanted the focus to be on Anakin for this whole movie. I think he did a pretty great job with this one. Because this I one... I think so, too. This one, I would rank this one... I mean, it, you can go back and read all the reviews for this movie. This one kind of ranks up there below Empire Strikes Back. Um, yeah, this is I, this is personally one of my top top five, if not top three, of the Star Wars movies. I would it's put up this, there. I would put this in my top three. I have Empire, uh, Last Jedi, and then Revenge. Okay, well, uh, for me, my top three would be Return of the Jedi, just because it was the first movie that I saw live in theaters. So it holds a special place in my heart. Um, Rogue One, and then Sith, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Those are my top, top three. Um, but yeah, I, to me, it seems like you almost get the feeling that George was going through the other movies just because he knew he had to get to this movie. Like he's like, I kind of felt, I kind of felt opposite. I hmm. felt like he, he did the other movies because it's a story he wanted to tell. It's very complex. There's a lot of different angles to it. And with this one, he kind of took a step back and gave the fans what they wanted. An exciting yeah. story about okay. Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Um, he, this he, one he is, this one's, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he didn't confuse anybody with, with the plots in this one. This one was very straightforward exactly. on, on what was yeah. going to happen. This was very much re- more reminiscent of classic, quote unquote, air quotes, classic Star Wars, where yeah. you have a definite good guy, a definite bad guy. And a definite plot, you know, you're going from point A to point B in the plot. It's just very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we get to you, know, you eventually you know where you're headed to once you start the movie you know what you're gonna what you're gonna see and eventually we get that which is the fall of anakin skywalker yeah so uh, out of directing for this one i would give it a I would, i'd give it a full 30 to be honest okay i'm going to agree with you i'm going to give this one a full 32 so now we get into the storytelling and this is where i think george really shines is storytelling this is his wheelhouse like you said visual storytelling he is bar none one of the best Mm -hmm. um yeah you just can't i don't think you can there's very few people that are good of getting a story and as george lucas is in my opinion yeah Um, no i hardly agree uh the storytelling for this one like i said this one was a lot simpler it was more like the original stories of you know a new hope and well empire was a lot more complicated than a new hope and the return of the jedi kind of went back regressed back to a new hope um but this was just a classic straightforward story about anakin skywalker that everybody wanted and he Mm -hmm. told it very well it captivated everybody yeah and there wasn't like i mean you weren't going from character to character to character to character you know you had pretty much the entire time it was focused on anakin focus on anakin focus Mm -hmm. on anakin and yeah um and I mean, the sets were amazing. The the world building that he'd already done and just adding to that. You so know. if I remember correct, I think he had actually originally started thinking about the idea for this movie when Return of the Jedi came out. Yeah. So the, no- the novelization of Return of the Jedi, um, it has an excerpt in there where Obi-Wan Kenobi recalls his, his battle with Anakin and him falling into a, a a pit of lava, so that's yeah. where we get the that's where we get the ending scene from. So George had been thinking about this story for yeah, decades. oh yeah, and so yeah. he finally got it out there. And I and I think it, this one he shined. Um, this is if let me put it this way: if the first two movies were anything like this one, I don't think we would we would even had a sequel trilogy because we wouldn't have needed it. No, no. I totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, can we just can we just say right off the bat, thirty for direct, thirty for directing, thirty for storytelling? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think this would be a pretty high score one. So finally, we come to the writing. The or twenty. It was twenty. Twenty. I'm sorry. Twenty. I gave it a higher score than we're actually going to give it. Um, the dialogue, and we've already kind of hit on this. That George is not a a dialogue guy. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I mean, there's still some good, some decent dialogue in this. Um, you know, you mentioned the speech at the opera house, um, the story of Darth Plagueis. Um, I mean, what do you think? It, it, what What do you think the issue with the dialogue is, in your opinion? You know, so anytime George, well, at least I don't, I don't know about now, but before 
uh, at least when he was writing the original movies and even when he was writing these, he never he never settled on his dialogue. He would always hand it off to one of his writing friends to review and kind of go mm-hmm. through and edit, and they would they would rewrite it to where it flowed better and it sounded better. I think for him, it, it wasn't a, a thing of, oh, I don't, I can't write. I think it was more of a confidence thing for George Lucas. He felt yeah. that, that, that it was the hardest thing for him to do, and he felt that his writing wasn't up to par with anybody else who was writing in, in the movie yeah. industry. Um, yeah. So uh, honestly, it was probably, his writing is probably good. It was... It was it was a confidence issue, and it probably took that extra set of eyes to kind of get everything flowing together the way George wanted. Yeah, to. yeah. I mean, that, that's always the big thing. That's always one of the big things is the flow. Um, yeah. You know, I think Harrison Ford famously said, uh, famously during the making of the original original trilogy, threw the script down on George's desk and said, "You can write this, George. You can write this crap, George, but you can't say it." um uh so yeah i think it's just you know he was so enthralled with the fantasy world and the old movie serials the buck rogers and that flash gordon's yeah the flash gordon's and this very grandiose style of speaking that doesn't really translate to the movie screen and doesn't really translate to real life, you know, how real people, cause let's be honest, nobody talks like that. Like they do in the star Wars movie in real life. Nobody no. talks like that. Absolutely not. And, <laughs> and then you, you got to look at the other half of it too. You know, it wasn't just the writing. It was the delivery. You know, you, if you, yeah. if you were to give, you know, Hayden Christensen's lines to a more seasoned actor or someone who can actually, you know, deliver the lines the way George wanted him to, we could be talking about a whole different type of Anakin Skywalker. Or if Hayden Christian oh, yeah. was, was more adept into talking, into, into reading those lines, it could be a whole different story. Uh, so I think the yeah. delivery from the actors played a big part in it as well. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't, I don't like the way he wrote uh, Padme. I think he did Padme a disservice by, by downplaying her and completely focusing on Anakin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I, I like the way he wrote all the other characters. I mean, Mace Windu was typical Mace Windu. He was threatened by Anakin because in his eyes, he was always yeah. supposed to be the most powerful Jedi, mm-hmm. the, the strongest Jedi. Um, and then Yoda, who had a big role in episode two, kind of fell off in episode three and then came back a little bit. But it, it wasn't. Yeah. Everything was all Anakin. And yeah, I think, focus on Anakin. Yeah. And, and Although, I think that, go ahead. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I love Samuel L. Jackson, but wasn't Mace Window just basically Samuel L. Jackson with a lightsaber? I mean, that's. I, I mean, that's. So yeah. that's that's. I think that's how he got a role in the prequels in the first place. He did an interview in London, uh, saying like how much he would have he would have loved to he would love to play. Uh, a role in, in Star Wars, and then all of a sudden, a few months later, here he is in Episode One as Mace Windu. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's like I, I so, love the story of how he got the purple lightsaber too. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's just a great story. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> he just wanted one. Yeah, he just wanted one. 
it's it's, it's and, Sam, Samuel L. Jackson. And how do you tell? Yeah, how do you tell Sam Jackson no? Um, just a, just a a little tangent. Have you ever heard the story about how he got cast as um uh that uh, what's his name in Marvel? Uh, Nick Fury. No, I have not. He was at a comic shop, and he saw one of the Avengers comics of one of the the Ultimates with where they had the black uh, Nick Fury. And he looked at it and turned to his agent was there. And he's like, why am I on the cover of a comic book? <laughs> <laughs> and he called up Marvel and they said, actually, we're wanting to do, we're starting to do the Marvel movies. And we were wanting to know if you'd be interested in being Nick Fury. So they created the Nick Fury character in the Ultimates for this express idea of getting Samuel L. Jackson to play Nick Fury when they finally started making the uh, Marvel movies. It makes sense. That yeah, makes a lot yeah. of sense. <laughs> um, anyway, this isn't the Marvel Star, the Marvel podcast. Um, <laughs> what would you give the writing in episode three? Out of 20, correct? Yes. Um, I would go with a... I'd say about a 15. A 15? Yeah. I'm going to go a 10. Um, you know, it's not the worst. It's not the best. It's kind of, you know, for me, middle, you know, middle of the road. It's, you know, it was passable. Um, you know, it's nothing that's going to win any Oscars as far as the right, best writing, you know. Um, so let me tally the scores here. And we will give you a the overall score. So you gave it a ninety one, and I one second. I scored it a 90-85 for a brand total of 176, which makes this so far the highest rated movie that we've done so far, which we were kind of expecting that, I think, yeah. that episode three was going to be the highest of the prequels now the question is is how will this compare to the movies that are to come um you know it it really depends on how how we look at it um if we look at the the side stories with rogue one uh, a solo story i think those two alone will probably surpass this movie um, mm-hmm. Just visually, um, the writing. The, I think. The also, writing I think it also. De- yeah, I think it also depends. Since we're doing guest host, especially with solo, is how their opinion on that move personally on that movie. Um, solo was definitely a divisive movie with the fans. Rogue One, not so much, but Rogue One did have its detractors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, that will go a lot into. I personally you know, love. I personally loved Solo. Uh, one because Ron Howard is one of my favorite directors of yeah. all time, 
And I, I love the way he told that story. I mean, anytime you can, you, you can bring those kind of characters together to, to, to tell a story mm-hmm. is, is kind, kind of amazing. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, but visually writing, directing, I think, I think we started to see seasoned directors that are, that yeah. aren't George Lucas, but they're the same caliber as George Lucas mm-hmm. coming in and telling their story and more importantly they're fans of star wars yeah so they're telling the story that they love one thing though i think is you know especially as we get into the newer movie these two newer movies with um solo and rogue one which we're going to be doing next is you and we said the same thing with with comparing the prequel trilogies to the original trilogies you have to compare them to the movies of the time mm-hmm. because no matter how good a movie is, the acting is, the directing is, styles change, tone changes, everything changes. So you can't compare a movie that was made, necessarily made in 1977 as far as the quality of it to a movie that was made in 1999 because... It's just a completely different style of storytelling, just a completely different style of movie of movies, you know. Um, so well, you have to compare. You have I, to almost compare them to the movies of the time. Well, in the case of the original trilogies and the prequels, I would say you can compare the style of story. The style of storytelling stays the same because it's the same storytelling. Okay, yeah, fair enough. That's fair. Um, That's fair. That's but, fair but, argument. But the technology changes. Remember the prequels? Yeah. He went almost completely digital, and just mm-hmm. gave us scenes that we would have never seen in the in the movies in the seven, in the in the original yeah. movies, or the this we saw the scenes he wanted us to see in the original movies, but couldn't do it because he didn't have the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you get into these coming the, the newer movies, Rogue One, Solo, the sequel trilogies, that's when you can start saying, okay, this is the different style of to- storytelling. Versus the yeah. previous six movies. Yeah. Well, I was even just talking, you know, the style of storytelling. I mean, even the way, even what is considered to be good, good acting. Yeah. Changes. Okay. You know, a movie from the 50s is not going to stand up. The style of acting they did in the 50s is not necessarily going to stand up to a modern audience as far as, you know, that style of acting. And it's the same thing with the a movie that was made in the 70s compared to a movie that was made in the mid 2000s, you know, completely different. Um, so, you know, you have to, you know, no, that's, that's understandable. I, I, I can agree to that. Like that's, that's, that's true. Cause you have a different audiences. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think today's, uh, today's audiences are, I don't want to say fickle, but more like, what you could get away with in even the 70s, you can't necessarily get away with now because how yes, everything is. Yes and no. I don't know. Acting, to, even today, it has different standards. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you can have an actor portray someone. I'm going to use, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and his role in Tropic Thunder, you know, by all means should be he should have been criticized and rung through the streets with some of with people being branded as certain brand labels just from tweets they sent out in high school. But he wasn't yeah. because he was an actor. He was a method actor. And that's he was making fun of method actors. 
in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think now, depending on the actor and how they are, you know, socially, if they're open about who they are, I, I think they can get away with a lot more. But I think also audiences love those deep character dives. They they want to mm-hmm. they want the character to really come out, um, and I think that's what we see in a lot of our acting today are just character driven. Um, act, uh, actors who are very character driven and really tell the story of the characters. Mm-hmm. Now, is there one thing and going since we've been talking episode three that you, maybe you didn't see in episode three that you would have liked to maybe George hit a little bit more on? <sighs> you caught me off guard with that question. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that one. Okay. Um, you know, just looking at, at episode three as a whole and knowing the story that George wanted it to tell mm-hmm. is really not much that I can think of. I mean, because he yeah. wanted to tell the, the, the fall of Anakin Skywalker and how he turned. And he started that from the very beginning when he killed Count Dooku um, mm-hmm. above Coruscant to, to save the, mm-hmm. the senator. Um, that was the beginning of the end for, for Anakin. Yeah. Anakin, um, and, yeah, and it just went down from there. And I don't, and because of the way he wanted to tell the story, I can't really think of anything else that he could have touched on that could have added to it. Now, if you take yeah. away if you take away one scene from the movie, the movie falls apart in any sense. Exactly, it can, exactly, it, exactly. It can fall apart. I, but I, I love how it, it. I know what the word I'm looking for. It like how certain scenes when you look at the original trilogy especially a new hope and then you watch you know episode three you get this sense of like oh that's what he was talking about Mm -hmm. um i particularly think of and i know it gets a lot of criticism for being too artistic and too choreographed but the battle between anakin and obi-wan on mustafar when you watch that and then you go and watch their duel on the Death Star, what they're saying, what they're doing, how they're reacting to each other, to me, just makes even more sense. Like the last time that why Vader is so hesitant at first, because the last time he saw this guy, well, all that he lost his change. legs. Yeah, all that's all that's about to change. Because yeah, now true. with the with the Obi Wan Kenobi series, that whole storyline's about to change. Because in uh, in Empire, Darth Vader says, "I haven't felt this presence since," and then he trails off. So there's a there yeah. is an open ended to that to that line of dialogue, which is mm-hmm. why they're bringing Hayden Christensen back for the Obi Wan Kenobi series. So we're we're mm-hmm. probably going to see another fight between those two, um, yeah. as Darth Darth Vader and Obi Wan, but. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that personally, because I think that well, ha- you know, having that having that battle of Mustafar and then seeing each other again during that last time for that to be the first time they would seen each other in all that time. Um, I mean, I don't mind, but as long as it, you know, Hayden Hayden is somewhere off in the distance. Like, you see Obi-Wan doing something, and then, you know... Well, I know 
because Hayden Christian, they, they've already confirmed he's going to be in all six episodes. We're basically getting an Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, trilogy because um, yeah. it's six six episodes, an hour apiece. We're getting a three a, an Obi-Wan Kenobi trilogy. But he's going to be in all, all six episodes playing both Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. So Darth Vader. we're going to get flashbacks to the Clone Wars. We're gonna see, mm. we're we're gonna see the the Jedi battle armor in in live action, which I'm super excited oh. for. Um, but I would be, because after watching episode three, and then going on to watch mm. all of Clone Wars, all of Rebels, um, mm-hmm. and then watching the Bad Batch now as it comes out, it it would make sense. It doesn't make sense that Darth Vader and Obi Wan didn't see each other within that time frame, because yeah. because we know that Darth Vader was sending mercenaries to find the child, so mm-hmm. there had to have been a time where they had met before the events of yeah. A New Hope, and I think this is what I think this is going to tell that story. And I'm, I'm if they do it the right way, I think it's going to be good. And I, I believe Favreau mm-hmm. and Filoni are overseeing the project. Oh yeah. So I would, yeah. If they're if they're if they're in it, then yeah, definitely. I wouldn't mind seeing something where it's like Obi Wan's always just one step ahead. Like mm-hmm. he thinks he has him tracked down, and then Obi Wan just so they're always just missing each other, maybe till the very end. You know, yeah. if you're going to do that 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 confrontation, that needs to be at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I I wholeheartedly agree. That's going to be the. I like when you said about seeing you know the scenes from the Clone Wars. I'm just thinking, are we going to see a live action version of Rex? Are we going to see a live action version I of? I think we are. I I think we're we're going to have to see a live action version of Rex and Cody, um, and Fox. Uh, we're going to oh. have to see those. We're going to have to see those guys. Um, Especially if you're doing like the time period that they're like that they're doing with this you know of having a rex that's out of the you know out of the war and had the chip taken out and is on the you know on the run so to speak from the empire or hiding out you know that would be just and from my understanding this is this takes place 10 years after the events of episode three that's when it's going to start okay so he okay so yeah so Rex would be out and about. Um, well, he'd be he'd be with Ahsoka. Would he be at this point? I think so. I think he'd still be. Well, he no he he might not be with Ahsoka. He might be. He he may be off because I know like after all that they they found a place for clones to go after the clones got decommissioned they found a place for them to go live and I think he might be over there with them at this point. Yeah. There's a chance he could still be with Ahsoka, but. I know they reunite again in Rebels years later. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is something that we we usually ask our guests while they're there. Is other than the Obi Wan, so it seems like you're really really uh, excited for the Obi Wan. Is there anything else that you're really excited for that's coming up in with the Star Wars property, or is it just everything? I'm excited about everything, um, but what I'm really excited about is Acolyte. I think mm. Ac- I think Acolyte is going to be the catalyst. So my open theory is that with all these mo- with with all the TV shows that they're making, 
and possibly with the with the movies that um, that that they're the movie projects that they're not really seeing any information on that they're working on. I think it's gonna we're finally gonna get a solution to the Skywalker saga. Like all most of this, most of the main stories will be told, but at the same time, Acolyte is it takes place at the end of the High Republic era, leading into the events of Episode One which is then going to mm. kick off the High Republic storyline in terms of movies and live action shows or cartoons. I've been really into the High Republic books, so I'm 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 pretty excited mm. about those those storylines. Um I personally am really looking forward to Rogue uh, Rogue Squadron. Uh I grew up with the Rogue Squadron books and just to see what they do with that, I'm interested to see like what time period it's going to be in, where it's going to be set. And um, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to the most, honestly. Uh, is there I, anything? I I, oh, I, I I was looking forward to that, but after seeing what Patty Jenkins did with Wonder Woman 1984, I'm kind of nervous yeah. now. I'm kind of nervous. Yeah, yeah. Movie... I haven't still not seen uh, 1980, Wonder Woman 1984, but... I've heard bad things about yeah, it. That movie is, mm, I don't know. And I, I yeah, I, I have full what confidence that she's going to do a good job with Star Wars, but I'm hoping it's nothing yeah. like Wonder Woman 1984. What about you, little lady? Do you like Star Wars? You do? Rebels. What? Rebels. She likes Rebels. Rebels. What is, what is, hey, what does Darth Vader say? I am your father. What does Luke Skywalker say? That's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> Raise him awesome. right, huh? That's awesome. All right, go, go to bed, baby. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was my lovely daughter, Lily. Um, my little Sith Lord, as I like to call her sometimes. Uh, uh, anyway, I think we will wrap things up here for the for tonight's show. Uh, again, Rudy, thank you so much for guesting on. I hope you had a good time here. I did. Thanks for having me, Mark. I do appreciate it, man. Uh, not a problem. Not a problem. So uh, what we're going to be doing now is we, as I said, we're going to be having different co-hosts on over the next three weeks. Um, and then we will be making our decision sometime in mid-June as to who gets the coveted spot of official War of the Stars co-host. Uh, so, Rudy, um, I guess I could say best of luck to you. I uh, appreciate can, it. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm just all over Facebook. I mean, you can just search my name, Rudy Ortega. I'm there. I, I post things about my son and my life all the time. So, um, And then random Star Wars things that I find in stores. Um, nice. as well as Instagram and that's really it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that big into social media at this. Uh, so <laughs> that's fine. Uh, awesome. Well, you can find us on all the social Twitter on Twitter at war of the stars one. That is also our email. If you want to email us, it's war of the stars at Gmail or war of the stars one at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook page war of the stars. Just look for the war of the stars, Facebook page. And Facebook group, uh, Twitter. Like I said, we're doing all kinds of stuff on Twitter. We do polls. Um, 
contest. We're starting going to be start doing contests here pretty soon. Uh, we have a Patreon page if you want to support the show. Patreon.com forward slash War of the Stars. And as I said last week, we now also officially have a merch store. If you want to wear the cool War of the Stars official merchandise, just go to Spreadshirt www.spreadshirt.com forward slash war dash of dash the dash stars. Again, I'll put the link um, on the Facebook page and Facebook group. Um, click the link, support the, support the show that way by buying some pretty cool merch. And other than that, um, until next week, remember, this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. May the Force be with you. Always. <laughs>